it's over. Our national uh, nightmare is over. Stand down. It's all okay now. And what I mean by that is the Gaines Country podcast is back, all right? Just take it easy. You know, we're back. You know, we heard the clamoring across the hockey world. It's like, what's going on in Carolina? Are they going to do it? Are they going to mess this up? And don't worry. We're back, okay? We are not going to Seattle. (laughs) There's the rumors rumbling. Yeah. yeah, we're not going to the Rangers either. I mean, look, there's there's a, a a contract offer that you know is tempting enough, maybe. But you know, we're we're you know, uh, Carolina's really a part of of who we are, right? I feel like the richest uh, as nation <laughs> managing editor in the league. All that to say that we're just really glad that Kane signed Eric Gellinus. Gellina, right? Jelena. Yes, it is Jelena. Yeah. So we. That's how excited we are. Uh, is there, is is there has to be relations relation with Marty, right? I would think so. Could um, that also no, there isn't. Common name, but there 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 isn't any relation, unless Eric's first name is actually Matthew. It's not. Uh, Kane's Country Podcast, anyway. The, the big news of, of the day is that Rob Brindamore, a three-year contract extension as the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, LeBron James, it's about damn time, Jeff inserted here, but it is official now. Elliot Freeman reported that's $1.8 million AAV. What was the reported number for his, his first contract? Wasn't it something like ludicrously like? I think it might have been less than a million. I I feel like it. I feel like it was like several hundred thousand. Yeah, I feel like it was very low. I don't know. We never got an official number on it, but yeah, the there's reason to believe that Brendan Moore at least doubled his uh, salary, probably a little bit more. Actually, definitely more than with this deal. So there we go. And and he he spoke to the media today with Don Waddell and confirmed that probably the biggest holdup was getting his staff signed. So that should mean promising things for Jeff Daniels. We don't really know, but one would assume that Jeff Daniels, uh, Paul Schoenfelder, etc., you would think that would mean good things for them. And it means question mark for Chanel. to talk to other teams. Uh, this was this was a bit of a red flag earlier in the week uh, because we, we had been hearing about how important it was for, for Rod to get his entire staff signed. And then you, you hear that news and you don't have the accompanying uh, accompanying news of Brendan Moore getting signed or whatever. So you're like, okay, uh, what's going on? Optics aren't great, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. Thoughts on the, what's been a, a whirlwind of the past couple of weeks with regards to, to Rod's future. And now it's kind of hammered away. Yeah. I, I really never thought that this was, even close to as big of a deal as the national media made it out to be. I mean, 
just knowing Rod Brendamore and what he's about and how high of a regard that Don Waddell and Tom Dungeon and everyone else held him in, this was always going to get done. There were, I mean, I just don't think there was a scenario, and Rod pretty much said as much to himself today, where he was not back coaching this team. And he wanted, you know, credit to him. He made it, you know, he is probably could have been done, but he made sure that his people got taken care of. Uh, the Dean Chanel thing, I don't think necessarily has to mean anything went wrong with the Hurricanes. He may just want to look at other opportunities. He may be, who knows, he may be looking at being a, uh, a head coach, but no, I mean, when I saw that email this morning that they were going to be, Rod and Dom were going to be speaking today, and like they waited a little bit longer than they normally do for that, I kind of figured that, um, yeah, they would be, they were waiting to get that done. And then we got on there and Don's opening statement, he said, We're here to announce something. And I thought it might be an extension for Cedric Paquette, but it was actually an extension for Rod Brindamore. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, not surprising, but uh, none, not surprising, but none, nonetheless critical that they got this done. I mean, you look at what Rod's done in his three years as a head coach and how important he's been to this team turning around. I mean, this this had to happen. 100%. Yeah, it's like if you're in Carolina, like I, I you could probably worry you could be like, you know, well, you, you never want to say anything's 100% certain, but. Rod Brendamore remaining a hurricane is one of those things you can depend upon, like Jordan Stahl winning and opening face-off in overtime. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone with reason, like any reasonable person, would have thought that he wasn't going to be the coach in Raleigh anymore. I think the, the concern that I had in particular, I mean – Mine was the optics. Mine was how are you treating your own guys, right? And the the very last person you want to um kind of get into these like like stretched out negotiations with is probably Rob Renamore from from perspective of what he means to the franchise and, and all of that. So the the longer it went on, like the more it was just like, we all know how this is going to end. Like he's going to be back. And it, it's just, it's just, you know, I guess it's part of how Tom Dundon does business. And that is at times very frustrating and, and the optics aren't very good. Obviously, I mean, Don Waddell said many times that he's given him his blessing with regards to money and, and paying players and, Obviously, Rod would fall under that category too, but it felt like this was a little bit too much of a drawn-out uh, thing. So it's good that it's over now, and hopefully they won't have to worry about it for at least three more years. News kind of broke over the past week that that Dougie Hamilton has been given permission to talk to other teams with regards to a new contract now that this this can mean anything really i mean this can mean that the hurricanes could sign and trade him with the team it could be hamilton going out and seeing what the market's going to be and that would certainly help the hurricanes it, it feels like they're trying to get a head start on the whole hamilton ufa process which in a lot of ways is smart but 
how did you guys take that news that that Dougie's been or his representation has been given permission to go ahead and do that? It was for me. It's like it's the smartest thing for both sides to do. It's it was going to be a back and forth discussion until you know free agency opened. If not for allowing them to do it earlier, like the Canes have their offer. Dougie's camp wants you know however much, but Trangelo money is what you know the rumor is, and Canes are offering Krug money, difference of like two million or so between them, and it's like it, even like Dougie's like himself is like barely probably even involved in discussions as most NHL players hardly ever are actually involved in their negotiations. Like, let's put that out there. It's not like Dougie (laughs) Hamilton himself is demanding $9 million. And he said, he'll never play for Dougie actually showed up to the conference room with his own turtleneck to one up Don Waddell in these negotiations. (laughs) I, again, we are exclusively reporting this at Kane's country. Did you guys see the pictures from the Rod signing of oh Don, Don wearing the freaking black turtleneck and blue blazer? Outrageous. And was looking sharp. Absolute madman. Yeah, but so player agents, are they want to get as much money as possible because, you know, they get a cut of that. So there's that problem. Also, players are pressured to take as much money as possible because the NHL PA, you know, the more money so-and-so gets, the more money comparables make everyone gets paid more in the PA. So there's a lot of pressure just to take more money and demand more money. And so it was always going to be a thing where the Canes want to pay as little as possible to help their team out. And Dougie's camp was going to want as much as possible to like work it out. And so literally what happens now is that Dougie's agent can go talk to other teams. You know, maybe there's a crazy goddamn team that's going to be like, yeah, we want Hamilton eight by eight. Hell yeah, baby, bring it here. And so, you know, he can get that offer and he can get other offers. And then he can come back to Waddell and be like, hey, here's what the market is offering him. Do you want to raise your price at all? And then Waddell will make his final offer. Then his agent will go talk to Hamilton. It'll probably be the first time Hamilton sees any contracts and be like, all right, here's your four contract options, bud. Where do you want to go? And that's the thing, right? It's like, it's not like, (laughs) it's not like Dougie Hamilton. Like, let's just say, what's a stupid team? Um, the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres. Uh, let's say the Buffalo. Say Vancouver Canucks, but that works. The Buffalo Sabres or Vancouver Canucks. They can offer him eight by eight, like right now. They, they're allowed to have those talks. He can't sign that yet. So ultimately, the Hurricanes until July twenty eighth, they have the final say because he is still under contract with the team until July twenty eighth. So, if a team makes an offer like that. And, and the Hurricanes won't do it, then, you know, the sign-and-trade thing is a something that could factor in. Or, you know, if it's an offer that is reasonable, they can come back and say, hey, this is the offer we have. And the Hurricanes have the option. I mean, he's basically an RFA right now with how they're playing this. So, yeah, I, important to note that, I mean, he can't just – you won't hear tomorrow that he signed a deal and that's it with like Buffalo. There's going to be more to it. Well, you can do that. I mean, it opens up, this isn't something we've really seen, um, but it opens up to the possibility of a sign in trade because like if he hits the market, another team can only give him seven million or seven seven years, years, seven years, seven (laughs) years. They can give him more than 7 million if they, if they damn well please. But, um, and I'm sure somebody would, but, 
so if but if the Hurricanes re-sign him before that, they could give him the eight-year deal, and then basically the Hurricanes would just sign him to the deal that the team wants, and then trade him. So you'd get an asset back, which makes some sense. And no, too. I mean, like you guys said, I think this is smart for both parties because from the Kane standpoint, too, you figure out what the market for him is because I think there's a lot of uncertainty and all that because, like, you know, the flat cap is impacting the market for everybody, is impacting every decision that is made in the hockey world right now. So, and he may, and, you know, Friedman said this too. He may go out there and be like, hey, look at everything else. None of these offers are that much better than what the Hurricanes are offering. I might as well just stay. And I do think that they, you know, like Dom Waddell said today, he said that they want him back. I believe that. Like, I believe, like, the Hurricanes aren't stupid. They know how good Dougie Hamilton is. They know how much better having Dougie Hamilton makes them. It's just a question of how much they feel he is worth. And, I mean, this is an, uh, I mean, we can get it. This is an extremely complex, nuanced situation because you've got, like, the flip side of, like, if you give Dougie a long-term big money deal, it is probably going to come back to bite you in some form or fashion down the road. If you do not, if you let Dougie Hamilton walk or trade his rights, you are taking a significant step back at a premium position while you are in the process of trying to take the next step to being a cup contender. I mean, this is a, I do not envy Don Waddell and friends having to make this decision. Yeah, 100%. It's like, like, no matter what side of the Dougie divide you're on, like, whether you want him back, whether you don't think he's worth super high paycheck, winning masks a lot of pain. You know, like, if Kane signed Dougie Hamilton, big contract long term, and they get like three good years out of him, say they win, win a cup two years down the road. But then, like, he's bad five years later. You look at it and be like, well, he was a key part more than, you know, more than likely he was a key part of winning that. And so him being here and kind of paying him off, it's kind of like, well, that was just kind of the cost of winning. Like, like that's the balance of that. Is is winning worth, you know, five, four, three years of horrible contract? Like, and, and like, who's to yeah. say they even win? True. Well, look at a team like Chicago. I mean, you pretty much knew when they signed all those contracts that they were not going to age well, but like they won three cups in six years. Like, and yeah. it's it's not like Dougie Hamilton is thirty one. Like he's twenty eight, yeah. right? And the injury plays into it a little bit. I think you can be pretty confident that you're going to get four more really good seasons from him and, and feel good about that into like age 32 season with, with how he plays. I, I think that's a fair kind of evaluation of it. And if you're then giving up a year or two at the end, if, if it's five or six years, then I think that's obviously, it's something you do. I mean, you, you, if you're, if you're if you're serious about winning, then then you do something like that. You know, you 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 sign that contract knowing that the end of it might not be great, but 
the majority of it is going to be really solid. And, you know, it, it, if it's a situation like that, then that's that's kind of where I'm sitting on it. And we can just kind of like roll this into what is now the off-season preview portion of this podcast. And depending UFAs, a lot of big names here. We got Drew Shore, got Max McCormick, Cedric Paquette, Jordan Martinook, Brock McGinn for the forwards. Starting here, <laughs> I think there's there's really two two important names. Jokes aside, and it's McGinn and Martinook. Can you justify bringing both of those players back on this team? No, no, you you can't. We talked about this a lot last week with Jordan Martinook, and the more I think about it, as much as I love Jordan Martinook as a person, and I think he brings so much to this community and this locker room from an on-ice standpoint. Because, like, even if even if he's taking league minimum to stay here, from an on-ice standpoint, like, you're, one of the ways you get better is, like, improving your what you're getting from your bottom six depth. And Jordan Martinuk just is not giving you a ton. Uh, he's coming off another injury. He had the knee surgery. Mm-hmm. I would, I would heavily, if I'm going to bring back one of those two, I am heavily prioritizing Brock McGinn. Now, if Brock McGinn comes to me and is like, "I want three million," then you say, you know, thank you for your service. Good luck. Best of luck to you. But um, if you can get Brock McGinn in at two again, I would probably do it. Yeah, I think I think that's a place you feel comfortable. Yeah, like there's just absolutely no justification for having five plus million dollars tied up in your fourth line. That's just that's not a winning formula. Like if like the fourth line's producing like a third line or a second line, then you start talking. But like you can't have five plus million dollars tied up in a fourth line. It's just it's asinine. You're going nowhere fast with that kind of money tie up. And you look at a team like like Tampa Bay, like. Blake Coleman's at 1.8 million. You know, uh, Barkley Goudreau's less than a million. Patrick Maroon's less than a million. Ross Colton, less than a million. They're still over the cap. (laughs) (laughs) But these are all like, these are all like good depth, third line, fourth line wingers that are all making such cheap money, which allows them to pay for premium talent up up front. And like the Canes just have so much money tied up in these bottom guys. And with paydays coming for Svetch next year, Natchez, if you want to re-sign Hamilton, you can't. You just can't have this money tied up in like in low production. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because Jordan Martinuk was really, really solid his first year. He scored 15 goals. He had a career year. Uh, instantly became a, a, an important part of the middle six, and really any momentum that he was kind of building up was derailed by injury. He had a core surgery at the end of the 2019 playoffs, 2019 season started. It was like a weekend. He had another surgery on that core muscle injury and he just never was the same player. And that's, that's unfortunate, but that's, that's how he plays. We, we kind of all know that. So now it's like, you you can't really watch him 
regressed the way he has in the last two years, and it's been a pretty serious regression on the ice. Uh, probably a little bit more than a lot of people would want to admit um, because he is such a great locker room guy and a leader and a community um, kind of, you know, middle ground or middleman between the team and the community. And he, all those roles are valuable, but when his, when his production on the ice is regressing the way it is and the injuries are starting to pile up and he's had three surgeries in two years, it's, it's, it's tough. And I just can't really see them working him back in. Um, again, on the other hand, of course, I mean, he, you don't want to overpay for a guy after he had a really good year. McGinn, he, his five on five defensive metrics were outstanding and all that. Uh, you don't want to overpay for a guy, especially a depth player who has a really good contract year. So that would be the only thing that I would say, uh, obviously he's very important in killing penalties and, and his five on five defense again is great. Um, but he doesn't bring a lot offensively. So you have to be careful. $2 million sounds about right for him. That's that's what he was already getting. And I think a couple of years ago when he got that, he was pretty close, closely removed from like a 16 goal season. And he hasn't replicated those kind of numbers since then, but you should. So, so for that reason, I wouldn't think the price would go up that much. Yeah, I would, I would go into negotiations with McGinn just with like, just with a hard number, probably two million. Like, like I said, that I'm yeah. just not going above. You know, if, if if you lose them, you lose them, but you don't want to make the mistake of paying too much for a guy like that. Because as, as much as we like Brock McGinn and Jordan Martinuk and all these guys, these guys are replaceable. They are. There, there are plenty of guys who you can get that kind of production out of that's not the same as Dougie Hamilton Andre Svechnikov other guys who have contracts so you know you, you have to be wise of where you where you spend your money but they should have enough money for him again um, and if they can get to two million I think that's fair yeah. I'm I'm also not totally convinced that like even if like the McGinn doesn't want to take like what the Canes are offering I'm not sure you can go out and really get more anywhere. You know, I, I'm conv- I'm solidly convinced that there are a good percentage of GMs out there that are not the best at their jobs, but I still can't see anybody being like 2.53 tossed to McGinn. Like, sure. I think everyone would be kind of on the same assumptions. So I think the Canes could even play hardball with him in like take a pay cut because the flat cap is impacting all these teams so hard. Nobody's going to be able to take flyers on like guy who, doesn't score more than 10 goals. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's also especially true. Kind of what I meant by, you know, when, when he got 2 million a couple of years ago, he was a, he was two years younger and B he was coming off of a pretty good goal scoring year when he had that career high in goals that year, or year before. So yeah, it's hard to imagine that a team would outbid Carolina for a guy like McGinn. So yeah, don't go over two. I think that's that's kind of where we're all at on there. Uh, Pocket, McCormick, Shore, uh, anyone coming back there? Well, Drew Shore retired. So no. Drew Shore did retire. That, so no on that one. Um, <laughs> Pocket, eh, he, no, he, he didn't really. He was a scratch in the playoffs. Move the needle. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
McCormick is an interesting one, especially if you're doing another two-way deal as a guy who's a a veteran with the AHL group and who can come up and play if you need him, if you have injuries, because I thought that he played pretty well in some of the games that he played in, uh, especially late in the year. So that's maybe somebody that I would look at, again, on another two-way deal. Yep. I could see a two-way league minimum because, like, he's replaceable, but I, I think he does have that tenacity, and then just kind of having older guys in Chicago is always valuable. And like you said, he he can come up and play if you know shit happens. Yeah, he's a guy you pass through waivers with no issue. I mean, he's kind of like a guy. He's just a guy. And but you know, you know, you need guys. You need guys. You need some guys. There's nothing wrong with that. You need a couple guys on the ice. Dougie Hamilton, Yanni Hockenpod, Joakim Ryan, Roland McEwen. We we talked about Dougie a lot. We will continue to talk about Dougie uh, over the next uh, eight months as this thing uh, gets sorted out. Uh, next gonna, eight years. It's gonna it's gonna feel like forever. It's gonna feel like an eternity. Yanni Hockenpod. So a, a trade deadline acquisition for Hayden Flurry. I'm not really sure how to evaluate Yanni Hockenpod. Because, boy, I mean, he scored he he scored two goals, and and you know they were dramatic goals that uh, were were just wonderful. But he didn't do much outside of that, and you you look at especially if Hamilton leaves, you're like, okay, we need guys who can play, and Hockenpah can play. Uh, I'm not sure he brings much outside of being a a tough stay-at-home guy and he's a bit like Joel Edmondson uh in that way what do you do with a hawk and pa do you hawk and pass on him or what's the deal I don't uh yeah I don't know I mean like he was he was fine um, I think the Bean Hockenpah pairing was terrible in the playoffs. I'm just gonna come yeah. out and say it. They were wow, not. How good. dare you? I don't know that he re- like. I don't know that he really. And we saw this somewhat with Edmonton too. Like, I don't know that Hockenpah really like. You know, they wanted like that physical presence. Like, I don't know that he really provided a ton of that. Like. And I don't, and it, it seems like this happens with these guys. Like they, the Canes bring in these guys, and then all of a sudden, like they want to go out and like score in this system when that's just not their role. But I mean, I could take him or leave him on Hawk and Paw. I think he's a fine third pairing option. But if because the interesting thing for me is, I think if you lose Dougie, you're not replacing him with another great defenseman. So maybe what you do is you go out and get like two good defensemen, and then in that case, maybe you're looking to upgrade on a guy like Hawk and Paw on the third pair. But if you don't, if you bring back Dougie and you can bring back Hawk and Paw for cheap on the third pair, then I think that's fine. Yeah, I want to cycle to like what you said, Andrew. I'm just kind of back to when we're going to talk about Dougie so often. There, there is no. There is nobody you can go out and get that's replacing what Dougie Hamilton does. Like for yes. all the people saying like they don't want Dougie Hamilton, like 
there's nobody out there that's doing what Dougie Hamilton does, like anywhere near his value. Like, there's no, there's no UFA power play guy. Like, if anybody says Tyson Berry, you're, you're, you have no idea. Gouge my eyes out, literally. Just if you had, if you had issues with Dougie Hamilton defensively, you should like turn off your TV when Tyson Berry is on the ice. Tyson Berry plays no defense. He's actually not even as good on the power play as Hamilton was. He was just playing with Dreisaitl and McDavid. Like, and there, and therein lies everything. I mean, he he had some good years with Colorado, and I think that reputation has followed him a little too much from from the promising early career stuff in Colorado. And he gets to Edmonton, and he has a lot of points. It's like, oh my goodness, how does he have all these points? It's almost like he's passing the puck to Connor McDavid in the defensive zone and then doing nothing else. Um yep. You know, yeah, it, it's it's he's not very good. <laughs> and the thing yeah. of it is, like, people like you can look at any like metric you want. Dougie Hamilton is one of the best, not just offensive defensemen. Dougie Hamilton is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Like, you are not replacing that. You are you you can say, well, if we don't want to pay Dougie that long term, like we maybe use that money in other areas to upgrade our team and that's fine but like understand you are taking a step back on defense on the right side on your you know your number one power play defenseman if you let Dougie Hamilton walk there there just there is not no because like nobody that has a Dougie Hamilton type locked in is looking to trade them and there just isn't another one on the free agent market and if you come to me, if you come to me about Seth Jones, I will punch you in the face. I, if anyone comes to me about Seth Jones, I'll punch you in the face. Okay, I want it clear. Brett is not acting. Um, Brett is acting of his own accord and not of, as a Canes Country employee. I will verbally punch you in, punch the, you face. in the face. I am not. However, <laughs> however, I agree that Seth Jones. There, there are so many reasons why that is not happening. Yeah, and let's also talk like. There's no UFA out there to replace Dougie Hamilton. Even if like you're like, well, you could trade for this guy. Okay, so now you're losing assets on top of losing Dougie for a worse exactly. Dougie. There's Literally worse in every so, area, Dougie. It's so roundabout, this logic. And you could be like, hockey is a two-way game. So if you want to be like, well, Slavin and Pesci are better defenders than Hamilton. Pesci and Slavin, love them. They're amazing. They're elite defenders. They, there's nobody on this team that does what Dougie Hamilton does, and there's nobody in the NHL who can replace what Dougie Hamilton does. It's um, That's where I kind of keep coming back to with this, where I'm like, well, you know, maybe you don't want to give him this big long-term deal because you're going to be – it's going to hurt you in the later years. But then I'm like, okay, how are you replacing him? You're either spending – at any time you go into the free agent pool for a top six forward or a top four defenseman, you are spending money. Like you're you're not gonna go get a Dougie replacement for four million. So you're either gonna give probably somebody more money than they're worth or spend trade assets to bring in a defenseman. And at that point I'm like, why not just pay Dougie? Like for what whatever the difference would yeah, be. Yeah, like at that point, is it is two million dollars really gonna kill you at that point per yeah. year? I mean and, and you gotta think like maybe it won't like the cap is eventually gonna start going up again. Hopefully by like a, a few years into that deal, um, like they just signed a deal with ESPN and TNT for eight gajillion dollars per season. Like I think the cap's going to be right. going up soon. 
And, you know, you can, you like, you can be smart. You know, you, you're you're going to be a top-heavy team because you're going to be paying your Ahos and your Teravinans and your Svetch. And I do think if the Hurricanes eventually, uh, if the Hurricanes re-sign Vincent, Dougie Hamilton, they're eventually going to have to lose somebody that they absolutely do not want to lose. And that's going to sting. But at the same time, like, I just don't see a path to getting to losing Dougie Hamilton and getting better like you're trying to do. I, I just don't. There's yeah. really no path forward. And like, it's like hockey winning a Stanley cup. It, it's always in a window. You have a window. You can't, you can't keep that window open forever. You know, like if you lose Dougie Hamilton, that window is closing. Like that's going to be closed. And you're going to, you're going to open it up maybe in a year or two later down the road, maybe three, four, but it's gonna be it's gonna shut a little bit. It's not gonna be a wide open window. And like even then, like if you lose somebody down the road, that's just the nature of the sport. I mean, you can't load up on your talent and just keep everybody. It's just eventually people leave. It's just the nature of it. Can I tell you how important next season is? Vincent Trocheck, <laughs> pending UFA. Yep. Nino Niederreiter, pending UFA. Martin Natchez, at this pending bit. RFA. These, this is a big fucking year coming up. And th- this window, like the hurricanes, like the window is open. And there is a very real possibility that if they are not smart, it will close very quickly. All right. Windows do close. That's look, that's part of the disappointment, I think, of this past season of falling short and against Tampa Bay. And we talked about this. Um, during the regular season, you might look at your window and say, oh, yeah, it's wide open. You you don't know. Like, windows close so fast. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, a team, like, even think about, like, Winnipeg, like, two, three years ago, we were like, wow, this is it. They went to the Western Conference Finals, you know, lost in six or five to the Vegas. But, like, a lot of people were talking, like, this is a good team here. Doesn't look like they're a good team anymore. It's just like that. The whole thing collapsed on them. It's amazing, really, because I think out of all of us, I've always been the most pro-Dougie re-signing. And even talking more about it, like there was a time right after the end of the playoffs where I was like, maybe, we'll see. You know, a week goes by, you start thinking again, you get on a podcast and you, you talk through these things. God, <laughs> he is so important to what they're trying to do, and boy, are you good... you're testing it if if you choose to let him go over a million and a half, two million dollars. You're you're really testing it, especially you know, like if if let's just say Jordan Martinuk's not coming back, and. That's $2 million that you're not going to spend. Obviously, money has to go towards Fetch and all these players. You have money coming off the books in other places. $2 million, when you think about it, when you like just think about $2 million a year, that is something that you can work around. And if that's what the difference, you- that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Well, and even too, like, 
you know, you want to say, and it probably is the case that the term is the biggest sticking point. Okay, well, I realize that, like, teams need to be more farsighted than this, but, like, the term is not an issue this year. Like, you are trying to win a cup right now, and I, I think if you really think you have the opportunity to do that, you keep Dougie and you worry about the end of the contract when that day comes, and you hope that you won. Because if you won, then it's worth it. If if not, again, and you know, this is a tough, but I mean, you're right. Doug, Dougie is his importance. Um, Sarah Sivian did a really good piece on him and everything he brings. And the one thing she talked about, and I think this is absolutely correct. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that like the hurricanes, like, and obviously there's a whole lot more that goes into this, but like brought in Dougie Hamilton and all of a sudden they could like, score goals like having that kind of a presence from the back end who like helps a lot and you know he's i mean he's easily he may be the best all-around defenseman that the hurricanes have ever had i don't think that's an exaggeration i think that's totally possible like if you look at just like that straight up like number one play on your power play play on your penalty kill two-way because like the the, and Ryan's going to have a, a big breakdown on Dougie out next week, but like the defensive issues with Dougie are overblown a lot. Yes. And like, you, you know, you talk about like a true number one Stanley Cup caliber defenseman. That is what Dougie Hamilton is. And, you know, you, you talk about wanting to be a team that can take that next step and try to win the Cup you need a Dougie Hamilton on your team. I mean, look, look at like past cup winners, you know, Victor Hedman. Um, why can I not the capitals, John Carlson, um, Alex Petrangelo with the blues, Alex Petrangelo, Duncan Keith and Drew Doughty in their heyday when they won with the Blackhawks. And now look, those teams probably regret how much those players are still making now, but like, they won. They didn't. And they they didn't regret won. it when they won. They wouldn't have won if they didn't have those players and done what they needed to do to keep those players. And I don't like. I don't see a scenario where the Hurricanes let Dougie Hamilton walk and they win the Stanley Cup next year. I have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, and like you said, like with the defensive, like I, the Hurricanes as a team this year, especially. I felt like had so many defensive breakdowns. Like I just think of how many grade eight chances and like in close things Nedeljevic was making saves on. I remember how much we were hyping up Nedeljevic during the regular season. Like he is making these outstanding saves. And I look back and I'm like, the Canes were giving up a lot of grade eight chances. And I don't think that's a Dougie Hamilton issue. I think it was a broader Canes thing. Like, and like Dougie's yeah. taking a lot of flack for it just because he plays on the ice a lot and he's he's caught up in the offensive zone trying to make a play, make stuff happen. But if if you want defensemen that just stay home and do nothing, I mean, sure that then you know your offense we'll will dry up. You won't yeah. score goals, and we'll see how many games you, know, you win with that. We'll see how many games yeah. you win when you know you you prefer guys who play like Yanni Hockenpah. I think there was a coach, uh, Ralph Kruger, something he took his defense. He said, uh, you know, just don't activate, just stay at home. And that team looked really good. Oh wait, no, that was the Buffalo Sabers and all their players regressed heavily whack weird 
it's one thing and you can like look at other defensemen across the league and be like you put him in Carolina's system he'll be close to what Dougie is no <laughs> like the the combination of what Dougie is and how the Hurricanes play I think it's 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 not often that it works the way that it has worked because the way the Hurricanes play is great for Dougie Hamilton. And, and, and the way that those two things complement each other, you're not going to find that very many other places. Like, you bring in Brady Shea, and while Brady Shea did play better in the second half, um, you know, bringing him in, it's not like he became this special defenseman. Like, like he's a guy that was highly regarded as a younger player. And, you know, it, it's tough to be like, okay, we can replace this with other guys because I just don't think that's realistic whatsoever. And especially when you know already how Dougie Hamilton plays under this system, you are rolling the dice A of trying to find players cumulatively who have the talent of Dougie Hamilton. Like that's, that's your first rolling the dice, but then you're also rolling the dice on, are they going to play well here? Is this going to be a fit on the ice? And that's, that's tough. Like you have a known commodity right there who, if he hadn't have broken his leg last season, would have been a Norris finalist. Like, <laughs> like that's what that is. So the more you think about it, it it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Hurricanes to be so willing to move on from him. And I'm not saying they are. Um, obviously, they're just going through the process. But um, they, if they want to win next year and for the next few years, Dougie Hamilton's going to have to be a part of this. And it's going to be very difficult to even begin to try to replace what he brings. So, Well, the other interesting side of it to look at, and we can, if Dougie Hamilton does walk both in article and podcast form, we will certainly do this, will be to look back at the Dougie Hamilton trade itself. Yeah. But, I mean, like the Hurricanes bringing him in. Like if he walks, you know, he, he played great for you, but then you look at like, Elias Lindholm and the way he's playing in Calgary and everything else like that, that all becomes a conversation too, because Dougie's kind of the one piece you have left from that trade. And he was the centerpiece, but yeah. But (laughs) if you look back, what was the first, what was the big splash move that this new front office had when they got here or when Don Waddell took over trademark, big splash deal that they came in and made this new, you know, hierarchy of the front office, Don Waddell, they traded for Dougie Hamilton. And three years later, Dougie Hamilton is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And he's, and if he's gone, I mean, that was like the big first deal for this front office. And I think that trade has done, has gone a long way in kind of, Helping us, you know, be like, okay, like they they know what they're doing. They got one of the best defensemen in the league. For them to then lose him 
and not have him. That I mean, that's tough. That's that's difficult. And you're looking at it, and you have no pieces left, like you said, Andrew. You know, you were confident you were going to sign Adam Fox. You didn't. You get Michael Furland had his moments, didn't work out, and Dougie Hamilton was is like the is the only thing that remains. So, I think it's important that that they re-sign him. I think it's important for on ice, off ice, everyone. And now we'll talk about Joachim Ryan. <laughs> Who has already signed in Europe. Yep. Oh, we won't talk yeah, about Joachim Ryan. The hurricane, Eric Jelena is, is as uh, Matt said in the Canes Country Slack, is new Joachim Ryan. He, he will be. Um, Roland McEwen played in in Sweden this year, came back and was was a stealth addition to the playoff roster. I remember a few years ago, we were all like, this Roland McEwen kid, he's going places. And he went to Sweden is where he went. Uh, he, he went up, I mean, he went to a place. He, he went to a place, and you cannot deny that. I mean, we can try to force a conversation about these players, but, I mean, we just talked about Dougie Hamilton for 30 minutes after saying we were done talking about Dougie Hamilton. So I'm not even going to instigate a conversation about that. Instead, we're going to move on to James Reimer and Peter Morazic. Pick one. Who are you bringing back? This is difficult because Nudeljvic and Morazic is the best combination. It is the best on-ice 1A1B you can put together. But odds are you can have James Reimer for less money saving you cap space for the long run. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's the way the NHL is moving though, is that you got to have a 1A1B guy. And James Reimer, at the end of the day, wins games. <laughs> he had over, he had like three goals against like. <laughs> That's a discussion to have. You know, like I don't want to have it, average. but. But like. Unlike. Unlike games, Kevin, I mean. Unlike Kevin Keats, James Reimer is a winner. Like, yeah, it's like I think they can be fine with Reimer and Nadeljevic, and then you save potentially you're probably around like two million dollars in cap space. Because uh, like you can probably get Reimer for like two million or less because you know he's obviously gonna have to take a like a pay cut anywhere in the league. And I mean Morazic, I think. Like, is he want a pay grade? Does he want to go somewhere he can be the starter? Because it feels like Nadeljevic will be the starter. He'll be the 1A option. Morazic will be the 1B option. Or is Morazic fine with that? Like, does he want to make 3.5 mil or however much he is asking for and, you know, be a tandem? It's that one's hard. I think I would like to have Morazic, but like Reimer's a cheaper option when you're looking forward to next year and you're like, we need to have some free money to re-sign like Trocek and Niederreiter and Natchez. I think, uh, I think when it comes down to it, you're, you're going to be saving some money on goaltending this year. Um, I think you can take one of Mrazic and Reimer's contracts and just kind of copy paste on the Delkovich. And then you're, you're kind of left because I would imagine he gets around Nadelkovich probably gets like three and a half to 4 million for a year or two. That's where I, I, I would think. Yeah, it, he had a, obviously a stellar season, but with the sample size still being relatively small, I think you go Bridge, 
And the other thing with that is I think with the sample size and him being relatively small, you want your second goalie yes. to be somebody that you're comfortable giving 30, 35 starts to, and that's 50 to 55 for Nedeljkovic, not an overly taxing workload. Um, and I, you know, I would prefer Mrazic too. Like Mrazic when he was healthy last year was awesome. Um, and I think if he's cool with that, you do it. I, I think this could be a situation where the Hurricanes have not signed one of them when free agency opens and Mrazic maybe goes out and asks around and sees if he can get more of a sure thing, number one role somewhere else. And if he can't, then maybe he circles back to the Hurricanes. And if he can and he leaves, then you sign Reimer. Because I don't, I, like, I don't think anybody's going to be sprinting out of the gate to sign <laughs> James Reimer on July 28th. I could be wrong. Um, we've seen here. I mean, the thing is, like, people want – I think Reimer is significantly better than he was made out to be for parts of last season here. I think we've seen that he's perfectly fine in a backup role. Um, and last year with the schedule and Peter being out with having to play more is, yeah. I think, where he ran into some issues. But, yeah, no, I'm, I am totally comfortable with a Nedeljkovic-Reimer tandem, especially if, you know, that saves you. You get Reimer in at a discount and you're saving some money on goaltending, like Brett said. Yeah, I, I think it's entirely possible that either one of them comes back. I think it's also possible that it, they look. They get another goalie from somewhere. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Also, if you know Morazic finds a starting job, or may not starting job, but is able to get more money somewhere else, or um, and and they don't love James Reimer enough to you know make a super competitive contract. It wouldn't shock me if if they went out of their organization to find a one B. I I have no idea what the what the options would be there. I'm looking at that now. <laughs> um, you got Tuka Rask probably can rule that one out. Pecorine could probably also rule that one out. Oh, here, all right, here's an interesting one: a uh, a reunion of sorts. One uh, Frederick Anderson will be hitting the market. <laughs> no, Frederick I thought you were going to say Anton Hudobin. Was Tara? No, he he. <laughs> On it, with the he could I, I, from what I've looked at he could end up in Seattle with the Ben Bishop no move clause. Um, Devin Dubnik also coming off a terrible season. No, uh, no Andy Ranta, somewhat of an interesting Igor. Uh, that's he's an RFA. I, I don't have. Hang on, let me make sure this is set to UFA only. Actually, uh, one name that does interest me is uh, Jonathan Bernier. He he had a good year. He had a really he had a solid year. He's played very well in Detroit, where Detroit has been terrible for the past two years. Yeah. Like he's played well there. It's a very interesting. Like he's been a journeyman backup around starter, semi-starter place. Like, but he's one. Like I really, I think he, I think he'd be a really good option. Like as a one B, I think you know he's a lot to give. He's played exceptionally well these past few years. And, really redeemed himself. And if Anti Rant is healthy, I mean. That's also a really solid option. Philip Grubauer is a UFA? Ah, uh, yes, Philip Grubauer. Yeah. Hey, if you think James Reimer wins, wait till you see Philip Grubauer. <laughs> he'll, he'll win a Vesna, and he'll get all the wins. God. He'll Back get all the regular season wins you want. A small percentage of general managers have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, um, pass on. 
So, to me, I think it's either you bring back Berezik or Reimer, or you're looking at Bernier or Ranta. My preference would be to go with one of the guys that you know in that situation. It would definitely be safer. I mean, at that point, Um, at that point, you might as well just bring back one of them. Because, like, and I wrote something. I had a story go up today about, um, you know, how he looks. Nedeljkovic looks like the goalie of the future, but like, nothing's a given with Nedeljkovic either. Like going into next year, like goaltending is extremely volatile, as we all know. Um, So, I like. I think you do feel good about Nedeljkovic, but don't put your eggs like. Don't put your eggs into one basket. It's it's gonna be overshadowed by the whole Dougie thing and even probably Svechnikov. Um but like the fact that because Nadelkovich, like we said, is an RFA too. They gotta figure out what the right deal for him is and figure out the second goalie. Like the fact that the Hurricanes currently don't have like goalies that played in the NHL last year under contract for next season. Kind of also a big thing and <laughs> A decision, a couple, a decision, both in terms of uh, giving Nadel. I don't think giving Nadelkovic a bridge deal will be overly complicated, but like in terms of the second goalie, like kind of an underrated, like correct decision that they need to make at a position that it is not very easy to make correct decisions. Especially if you're the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like. Yeah. The fact that the Canes have had three years of, like, solid, uh, like, I wouldn't even say good. Like, I will just say solid. Like, it's been good, but I will just say solid goaltending because, like, the Canes have had below average goaltending for so many years. Like, that, like you could look at Morazic and be like, hey, one of the best goalies of all time in Hurricanes history. And, you know, that's honestly true. Alex Ndokovic yep. is already the best of all time in Hurricanes history. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is that's a that is a sneaky important decision that is not, you know, it's not as not as attractive as the Dougie Hamiltons, the Andre Svechnikov. As Brett talked about in you know, his article about a week ago, this is this is an important this is a regime defining offseason in I, many regards. Absolutely, it this is, is a, that is a phrase we're going to keep using, like the decisions, and somebody I did. Um, my thing of like their off season to do list and somebody in the comments on our site said something like this off season could either like set them up to win a cup in the next year or two or set them back five years. And like that's, that's in no way inaccurate. Regime defining. Glad you like that. <laughs> Regime defining perfect. off season. It is. Uh, they, they, I mean, my god <laughs> like they have so many big decisions to make um it's kind of weird like to think like the kings of like a top six solidified for this year and we're still like it could make or break this team honestly that's still crazy to think like like imagine that. imagine if the canes didn't have like this top how long we talk about the canes needing top six talent now that like we're like oh, they have six really goddamn good forwards yeah every blind squirrel finds a nut Every now and then, <laughs> broken clock. It's correct it's twice a day, um, etc. Calling Don Waddell a broken clock. I am not calling Don Waddell a broken clock. I wouldn't dare. Mister Turtle. The, the Carolina himself. Hurricanes are a broken clock. 
all right? Just just the franchise, all right? And you know what? They're right right now. And in a couple minutes, they're going to be wrong if they're not if they're not careful. The thing is, they're with all the decisions they have to make this off season, they're probably going to get one wrong. You just have to hope it's not like the Dougie Hamilton decision or the goalie decision. I would say, please, please just bring back the wrong fourth liner. Yeah, like that'd be great. Right. Like if if you give Brock McGinn a two-year, two-million deal, and he just absolutely blows, you can recover from that. Um, <laughs> there are some other decisions that you could screw up this offseason that would um, that things could take a turn very quickly and stay in that turn for a hot minute. So Kane sign all their bottom six guys to $2 million pay raises because we like the way they played. We yeah. like our group. We had a good, eff- good effort out there. Okay, yeah, that, that that would be one that um <laughs> I'm talking though about like yeah, decisions that look right on paper and go wrong, not just like straight up stupid decisions. <laughs> Definitely can't have any of that. Because there's already gonna be bad luck coming into the equation. So you can't do anything visibly stupid because that's how long did they sign seven to that? How how long was that contract again? Five years after the one year. Uh, hey, uh, rest in peace. I think that uh, that comes off the books this year. It is gone. It is gone. Another yeah, of our national nightmares. That's two million dollars just to give to Dougie Hamilton. It's two point three million dollars to give to Dougie Hamilton. Even more enticing. No, the buyout still shows, and I think I think July twenty eighth is it's officially gone. Yeah, that's that's when the new league year starts. We will have to have a uh, – uh, we'll, we'll do something special for that for sure. Just give Dougie $2 million extra and pretend like you're paying Alex Simon. It's fine. Just do that. Just Raise Dougie the Alexander Semin. You know, the Alexander Semin buyout is – yearly is um, $2,333,333. So, like, that might work. You add that to Dougie, that's like 8.01 or something. That's $8 million. Perfect. Hope just hope like you can get a little bit of a compromise on term with that, you know. Call it a day. You I can't call it a day because you got other shit to do, but you can call it a it, day it with be, Dougie. It'd be like it'd be like everything was just happening as it was happening. Keeps on rolling. Yeah. Same old, same old. However you want to think of it. I mean, whatever. Another sneaky decision that has to be made is Warren Fogel, because he's an RFA and, and not only is he an RFA. He's an RFA with arbitration rights, so they're going to... If I know anything about this front office, I think there's a a very real chance that they're going to go to arbitration. (laughs) They did last year, right? No, didn't they sign McGinn like two seconds before arbitration? Or, Or did they have the meeting and then they didn't get the verdict back? And before they got the verdict back, they signed... It was Wasn't it something like that? That was with Fogel last offseason because he was it with Fogel? Okay, yeah, it was Fogel last offseason. I don't know why I thought it was McGinn. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was with Fogel. So I don't even know how much this dude is worth. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Like, I feel pretty good about my opinion on Dougie Hamilton. I have no fucking idea, like, with Warren Fogel. Like, I just, I don't know. 
That feels like one where, like, if you're the Hurricanes, you maybe shop his right, his RFA rights yeah. around a little bit, and like, because like, I don't think you want to pay Warren Fogle two million, and he's probably going to get awarded that in arbitration. So may, maybe that's even one that you hope that, uh, like, Ron Francis comes calling or something. Like, if it lands around two million, I think that's fine. Um, there's a risk of overpay here. I feel like. Ooh yeah. There, I think there's a real risk of of overpay for a guy who you you maybe like he might be a, he might get better. I'm not sure though. I, I I could see Warren Fogle becoming a top six forward. I really could. I could also see him just being who he is now. He's not a bad player, but he doesn't move the needle either way for me. That's an area I think where you can maybe look at saving some money slash upgrading in your bottom six a little bit. Yeah. It's like, it's just like it's, it's, he has hot spots and it's, it makes him hard to grade. I feel like he goes invisible and it'll pop up and do well. And he's just very, very inconsistent as a player. And he's got a lot of finishing issues. He's got a lot of issues in close with like, putting the puck in. Like, say what you will about McGinn. Like, at least you pretty much know what you're getting. Uh, Fogel's a bit of a wild card. Uh, he, if he could be consistently, like, what he is at his best, I mean, he's probably a top six forward, but he just can't get there and you know you're like okay is that something that's going to come for him or is is this just going to be who he is and this is kind of like the crucial point in his career where like he just got a one-year deal to prove that he can be a little bit more and he didn't so i don't know where you go from there yeah it's the way i look at it i'm like Marnov McGinn Fogel pay one, let the other two like Walker trade the rights for Fogel. Like, I you just, I just can't justify having all three of them at this point with the money that they're going to need down the line. Because, like, it's not just a story of tomorrow, it's a story of you know, two years down the road at that point. Like, unless it's another one year deal, like, then maybe if it's anything more than a one year deal, I don't feel good about it at all. I think it has yeah. to be a one-year deal. Well, because you don't want, like you, you don't want any unnecessary money that might be unnecessary or wasted whatsoever already on your books next off-season. When, like we talked about, like you've got Trocheck, Niederreiter, and Natchez. Like this is a. The Hurricanes have to have some serious foresight. And for Fogel, it's like there's like a lot of things in this game that I like. I think he's an outstanding four-checker. I, I think when he's on, he is an impactful, very visible uh, player on the ice for the Hurricanes. Um, I think he has value. But, I mean, this year, there were so many stretches where you just didn't know he was on the team. You know, like, he just didn't do much. And, and, and you know, he kills penalties, which is good. He's in 
risk of kind of turning into a very expendable asset if he isn't already. I mean, I'm not sure how much better he makes you based on what he did this past season. I just think of like the times Rod would kind of go to the drawing board for lines and he'd, he'd end up with like Aho and Sveshnikov, but then like he can't make anything of it. He like, yeah, he get this promotion, but he just can't do anything with it. And like, at that point you're like giving you all the tools in the world and you can't find consistency with that. It's... That's a really good point. Like, yeah. like he's been given chances to, to be a, like a top six kind of guy and contribute and he hasn't. So, and he was on a one year deal to prove it. So, I mean, do you make him prove it again or do you just say, all right, prove it to someone else? I mean, Jordan Stahl would probably be sad if you, he, yes, he struggle, would. but he'd, he'd, he'd get over it. <laughs> I, I also think that like you have some young prospects that should be given more of a chance in like Geeky and who were coming up. You know, I think Morgan Geeky should definitely be resigning because like, should cost like, oh yeah of course should be cheap i like it I, I like i think I, I do too I think it's showing He's... a lot of flashes and i think that's an area where like you maybe get a little bit better a little bit more scoring a little bit more skilled in your bottom six and you save some money because like you're you're gonna resign geeky for less than a million for this upcoming year Probably, so yeah i would like to see geeky get like more minutes like rod rod shelters rookies it's just how it is it's just what he does but like geeky he's a he was a top top six guy in charlotte like i'm not saying throw him into the top six but i'm saying having him play fourth line grind minutes doesn't play to his skill set necessarily but he did well he was showing really good flashes here and there with lorenz and mccormick i thought he looked really good so i would like to see sometimes these rookies get just maybe play up a little bit for a game or two but you know yeah, I I like Morgan Geeky. Um, I like the idea of him being like a bottom six center that that has skill and he's not just useless in the offensive zone. Like he's a guy that can. It, it's not going to be through like scoring beautiful goals. Like he's just going to get goals on the ice. Like he goes to the areas and unlike a lot of those guys he has like the finishing ability and, and the offensive instincts to actually do something with it because it's one thing to get guys that can go to the front of the net, go to the scoring areas. But if you can't do anything when you get there, like what's the use, right? So, and that's kind of like what's been the <laughs> a hurricanes problem for a long time. And I don't know. I think geeky has the talent to do a little more with it than maybe some other guys who have gotten more of an opportunity. So I, I obviously he's, he's not going <laughs> to, they're, they're not going to be uh, in some super serious negotiations with him. I think he's an easy guy to bring back. The other big guy, Andrei Sveshnikov, does this season's underwhelming performance change anything with regards to, to what you think he'll get this off season? Cause I think we all kind of thought he was going to be a candidate for a bridge deal anyway. Yeah, I think you thought that, like, if he really took another step forward and had an awesome year, he might get long-term. But, I mean, I think a bridge deal makes sense from both sides. Because, like, if you're Svechnikov, why would you sign a long-term deal based on what you, the season that you just had? Because you know you're better than that. And on that long-term deal, you're going to be getting 
less than you probably could end up with in a year or two. And if you're the Hurricanes, you maybe want to see, like, look, I'm not trying to overblow, because I think a lot of Svechnikov's struggles were overblown this past season. Like, I don't want to, like, like, I'm not trying to act like we shouldn't be, be, like, Svechnikov should be viewed as anything less than, like, a future star and a pivotal part of this team's plans because I think he is, but I definitely think it makes sense to do a bridge deal. And I think he might get, you know, you're probably looking at like six, six and a half million on a two year deal coming off this last year. I think it might be a little high. I don't know. It's hard to say with these young RFAs, like it, it can go stupid crazy like Mitch Marner or you can be like Braden Point and only get like was Braden is Braden Point four million or four point five or five? I can't remember. Cause Tampa always, you know, fleeces everybody to get the best value. Well, I mean, yeah, Braden they, Point, oh Braden Point's at six point seven five. That's actually more than I thought he was making. I think it was his for his contract before this one was maybe a little cheaper. I don't know. If if Andre if they get Andre Svechnikov for less than Six million on a bridge deal. That's great because that saves you some money and some cap space. Um, hopefully, carry hopefully to carry you through the flat cap era. But um, I, I, I just it's hard because these art phase are making so much money nowadays. I don't see him getting less than six personally. That's fair, and like it's again the thing. It's like Svechikov says like. Like, I'm not blaming, like, he wants to play forever. And I think he does in his heart. Like, he actually wants to play forever. I don't think he has anything to do with his, his contract negotiations whatsoever. Like, not to mention the language barrier, A. But B, like, this is just how it is nowadays. Uh, players really just don't discuss their contract. Like, I don't think they have much influence. Like, it's player agents driven. Like, Svechikov's agent is going to go in and haggle, try to make him, you know, $8 million, like, that's just the nature of it. Being an RFA, like they could probably get it pulled down, but it's just—I don't know. That's—it's such a hard one to nail down because he wants to be here. He wants to play here. He just wants to play hockey, and he wants to play here. He loves it here. Player agents don't care about the team. <laughs> they don't care. It's their job to not care about the team. Yeah. Like, so all these people be like, well, take a pay cut. Like, these players should be taking a pay cut like Boston did. It's like, Boston did a special thing. Like, it's it's not going to be replicated. Nobody's going to replicate what they did. It's, it was a special circumstance. I I was thinking probably $5 million for Svetch. would be my rough estimate. Five years, like maybe three mil. Or three years, five mil. Five by three... You can start building Dom Waddell a statue. But... You can give Dougie Hamilton fifteen million a year in that case. Yeah. <laughs> well, you no, know, no. Sir, well, that's the thing is like, I mean, I know like it's a bridge deal, and you're more worried about the term, but like with Dougie, but like does the fact that you're maybe going to be paying Svech a little bit less than maybe you might have if he'd had a better year for the next year or two, does that help you with Dougie? Like, I mean. That's more money that you can spend on Dougie. Right, exactly. Like, every available dollar that you have. Svetch had a bad year. Not Well, not bad year. Bad for what we expected, right? 
he didn't have a superstar. He he didn't yeah. take the next step forward, and the offensive generation is still there. Like the generation of scoring chances when he's on the ice are there. The finishing is not. It's just not. And and that was something that took a step forward last year that you were hoping would continue at least at least maintain this year, but it didn't. The the finishing went down and I think you can overlook that if it weren't for the defense that took a step back as well. The defense and the penalties are the most concerning thing with me. I, I, I think he will be able to score goals in this league at a high rate. He's shown that he's capable of doing that. The offense and, 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 and that is not really concerning with me. He has to get the penalties under control. It's really like he he takes too many penalties and it's it's frustrating and and he'll go through spurts where you're like okay he's you know he's getting it together a little bit then he'll just take a stupid penalty for no reason like i it, like the the roughing penalty against Tampa is an example where it's like there's just absolutely no reason to do that and you take a really bad penalty there and you know that kind of stuff i think is going to get better with he's 21 i mean this isn't the end of the world so I still think he, he's on track still to be a star player in the league. And I think it's well within the realm of possibility that next year is his big year. But um, this year was not. So that kind of plays into what you probably are going to give him on a bridge deal. I think it's, I don't, if it's 5 million, I'd be kind of surprised. Honestly. Yeah, that, that seems low. Um, the, I mean, like, that'd be great. The thing is, like, I think there's a lot of different factors at play this season to where the point where, like, you're not worried. Like, you know Andre Svechnikov's going to be fine. And, like, yeah. him having a down year probably helps the Hurricanes in the short term in yes. terms of saving a little bit of money on a bridge deal over these next couple of years when you still expect the cap to be flat. Maybe, like, there's, maybe there's blessing in disguise. Good- there's a very good chance that, like, midway through next year, you're like, holy shit, Andrei Svechnikov is only making this much. Like, Yeah. The Nathan McKinnon factor. There you go. And, and I think that's also a good point, something I've thought about. This is a bizarre season. And especially for a young guy who is coming off, like, you know, there's a level of comfort that you have when when you're a young guy who comes into the league and he has a really good second year, breakout year. And you come back, and a lot of things are so different. And I, I just wonder how much that played into it with how he played. I am far from worried about how good Svechnikov can be, judging his future based on what we saw in his low low points this year is, is not fair by any stretch. Um, I still think he's going to be really, really good. But, yeah, maybe that maybe that money comes down a little bit because he wasn't great this past year and that doesn't hurt the the team in terms of money allocation. <laughs> so I think it'll be t- two or three years around 6 million or something, maybe a little either way. I- I'm not sure, but yeah, it's definitely won't be, I-, I I'd be shocked if it's the long-term deal. I would just be very surprised. Yeah. If you're the Hurricanes and you get a 
a third year at six million, I think you're probably pretty happy with that. If I'm the Canes, though, I think <laughs> you want to avoid the uh, the contracts ending in 2024-25 because Aho and Tavo's contracts both expire then too. Yeah, you want to stagger these a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So three years, like twenty. If if it's a three-year deal, he signs. He'll he would end at the same time as Aho, uh, Tavo, and Pesci, and Shea. That's going to be an interesting offseason. Inevitably, Natchez yeah. will sign a two-year bridge deal. That'll end the same year as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like... Svech's two-year would be the most preferable for the Canes. I think it's a really solid contracts. point, and I think I agree yeah. with that. And I'm sure that the Canes will look at that, too. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Eric Tolsky, uh much... I think he, sure he might have thought about this already. Much smarter than, than any of my brain. Maybe he might have thought about this already, but you know, just a little piece of advice, you know. That man <laughs> is not going to get a whole lot of sleep over the next month or so. Yeah, no, he won't. Mainly because he has to decide, how, or he and company have to decide how much is Jake Bean worth. That's the biggest uh, money question this off season. Um, it is a question, though, and you wonder if it's if he's going to be here very much longer because I like Jake Bean. Let me just preface this by saying I like Jake Bean. I think he has the talent to play, but, man, like, did he just peter out uh, in the second half of the year and then the playoffs? Like, what do you do with Jake Bean? Did the Canes let him stew too long? Oh, did they let him that's stew a, too long? That's another question. Like, I just because I like we just heard his name for so many like years, like up and coming. Like he's he's gonna be the savior on that blue line coming up, and like he got here, and then like you know he had a good stretch. We're like, oh, Jake, B, like he was like, all right, yeah, yeah, like he was like super yeah. high event, and like we expected that, I think, but then. Like it overcorrected as the season went on to when he to the point where he was just super low event and like and by low event I mean no scoring chances for or against and high event when he first got here lots of scoring chances for lots of scoring chances against and he was like okay you live with this right as and then you get Hawk and Paw and you're like all right calm him down and those two never worked together like you said earlier Ryan those two were not good together so. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe if you can find someone who plays better with him, but it's just like Bean is also still very young, and you you don't want to just be like, okay, partial rookie season in this crazy season. You don't want to just write him off after that. But there's certainly a lot of areas where you're kind of concerned about what you saw, and it's just kind of like, do you think he can – turn around quick enough to be part of a team that can win a cup because you can't just have six or you can't just have five defensemen in the playoffs like you you yeah. got to be able to play them and you just couldn't play jake bean and that's a that's a problem yeah he like number one like he needs muscle he needs just to bulk up like he was a small guy already but if you're gonna be a, like you can be a small guy in the nhl you just have to make it work and he just wasn't making it work. Yeah, he 
He's probably, like, at this point, I'm probably, like, I probably honestly would protect Brady Shea over him in the expansion yeah. draft. You just can't risk losing both Hamilton and Shea. You can't risk losing two top four defensemen at one time. Yeah. On on a flyer, on a prospect, you're hoping turns around. You just, it's just, it's bad business. Also, like, the one other thing, circling back to the Dougie Hamilton thing for a quick minute. Do not sit here and tell me if Dougie Hamilton walks. All right, well, we'll just plop Jake Bean onto power play one. No, sir. No, no, no. Do, do not I say that. I put a biscuit in the basket. Oh, God. Um, you'd be putting the biscuit somewhere. I'm not sure it's in the basket. Um, it might be in your own basket. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> It'll go in a basket. Try uh, not the correct Kucherov one. Is, he saw Kucherov in his dreams for... A couple days after that one. I mean, you hope he turns it around. He's young. I mean, you, 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 you always hope. You're never hoping he's bad. Of course, of course. But like, but... As a cup contender, you can't. <laughs> you can't play this waiting hope. game. Yeah. You can't dance around this and be like, "Oh, we'll give him time." It's like they, they, they don't have time. They kind of gotta. They gotta know what they got. Um. So we'll see. I, I think it's also possible that he is gone next year. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Seattle's like, like at the beginning of the year, I was like, I was like, it's just, I was like, it sucks. They're they're gonna lose Jake Bean. I don't know what they can possibly do to not lose Jake Bean. Now I'm like, they'll probably lose Jake Bean. And now I'm like, if I'm Seattle, do I? Who do I take? I, I don't even know if I yeah, want no, Jake Seattle, Bean like, over some yeah, other players. Like, Ron Francis was at a lot of Hurricanes games in the second half of the season and in the playoffs, so... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he would still like him. And I think, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe... I don't know. It's, it's probably a good fit for a guy like Jake Bean. That's like, what I was going to say. I think there's a real possibility that, you know, if he goes there, he turns into a quality NHL defenseman. And I think it's also true that maybe it wouldn't have happened in Carolina. It's kind of like one of those things... Similar to Elias Lindholm, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't know if he would have gotten to where he is now if he stayed in Carolina. I just don't know. Maybe it changes under Brindamore. But maybe the change of scenery is nice and, and, you know, and all that. But, yeah, Jake Bean is a guy who you you see, like, you see potential in him for sure. And you hope he turns it around. But it it's kind of like a question of can you do it next year? And I, I don't know if I saw enough from him this past season to be like, yeah, he can do it next year. Kane's prospect was Kane's look prospect good, was. look good, look good. And they're like, they just need him to turn a corner and it's like <laughs> hesitate. And he just held up there at the light. He's like, no, come on, turn the corner. Come on. Come yeah. On. He's, yeah. He's really You're like, he's like the Is last a car at a light or a toddler walking, Ryan. You know, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. A toddler walking, uh, I, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> we know where you're going because it's dangerous. Don't walk in the street is what I mean. Is what I'm saying. Don't don't walk in the street. Be with an adult at all times. If you're a toddler listening, don't walk in the street, please. Also, don't listen to podcasts without your parents' permission. Don't. Um... All right, there you go. Kane's uh, country is for the kids. We talked about Nedeljkovic enough. Enough of this contract talk. Enough of it. <laughs> enough of it. We've been rambling on for an hour. 
just talking about contracts. Biggest offseason needs. Uh, for me, it's for me, it's, uh, find a find a damn way to get Dan, Dougie Hamilton back, and another scorer would be nice. Yeah. Cheap depth. Whether whether or not that's picking up like somebody off the waiver wire who you who you like not well not the waiver wire. What am I talking about? The UFAs. Whether it's like a cheap UFA somewhere or it's you know filling in with your young guys, your young prospects, pulling them in, cheap depth. That's Canes need cheap, cheap depth. That's just yeah. And like maybe not an off season thing, but like maybe a little bit into the next season, like pro scouting department get on their shit because like and be ready to spend assets to like supplement cheap depth. Like it's it's like it's winning Tampa time, baby. <laughs> Tampa getting Goudreau and Coleman, who are on cheap ass contracts, like they gave up a good like a good amount of prospects and assets for them, but look where it got them. Like, yeah, like you need that. Yeah. You need cheap. You need good players, cheap contracts. Get that pro scout department out there. Go fucking look around, baby. Yeah, you gotta give up assets to get players who will help you win. Now, then you do it. Uh, we are firmly in that stage of Hurricane hockey. You gotta do it. Yeah, like the Canes picking twenty six overall. Like Canes picking twenty six overall this year, whatever the hell number they're at. Like, what value does that actually have to them? So it, it, yeah, in the, in this year of all years, where like scouting was like terrible and like no prospects were able to play. Oh, in their but league. did you see like, the Buffalo Sabers? Uh, I think they have a pretty good idea of what's going on this year, and uh, they're they have a better <laughs> read on the draft than any other team. It's true. I mean, two months after they fire their entire scouting department. Well, I hope so because with, they. <laughs> I say. With, well, with I hope so because if any team that in yeah, no, like especially because the other thing we haven't really talked about, like, and we could talk about it late, but like the Hurricanes prospect pool is like in a pretty good place too, like not necessarily a place like you would expect a cup contenders prospect pool to be. Like they're in a position to, again, with the caveat that I probably would not, I would not trade Seth Jarvis, like wheel and deal like yeah. they can trade some of these picks they could maybe trade a couple prospects like you you can you can make it happen i am all for seeing a canes prospect have success somewhere else in the league if the canes are shining a cup you know like sure yes like the same thing with dougie hamilton six years down the road like like That's take a risk so long take take a damn risk yeah, take a damn risk. You're not gonna win shit if you're not taking risk. Like I'm yeah. just, it's plain and simple. Hell yeah. <laughs> Carpe diem. Seize the day. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. There you the go. Kings country motivational speech time. Yeah, they need more depth. I think they need more competitive uh, scoring options in the bottom six. I think, I think they need another guy who can like score a goal when you need a goal. If you know what I mean, like, and Natchez is is developing, Sveshnikov is developing. You can rely on Aho. Um, I think you need one more guy to feel good about, because when you lose one of Trocheck or Niederreiter, there's a problem. Yes, <laughs> you know, and I think that's where you can go out and you can be like, okay, instead of having Fogel. You can get a guy who you're more confident in as like a fringe top six guy who can actually score goals when you need him. 
the guy I look at who would be, and he's he's probably not even fringe top six, and the Hurricanes probably can't do this if they bring back Dougie Hamilton, but the guy I look at in free agency who I think would be a great addition to this Hurricanes team is Brandon Saad. Yeah. A guy like that, like a, a guy like that who can score you a, a damn goal, like, and, and just yeah. and just do it. Like a guy like him. Some of the guys Tampa has, like Andre Palat, like Alex Kalorn, like these guys who have shown that they're able to score a goal in the playoffs when, when the other goalie is playing well. Because um, like it just feels like they're they need one more of those guys, and I think those can like make the difference in in a lot of these games in the playoffs when you're constantly losing by one goal. Like that's been like this past year against Tampa, uh, the year before against Boston. All of these are like one goal games, and if you can just get one, then then you're saying you're talking much different right now. Um, yep. So that's I think they need another guy like that, and then more consistent bottom six scoring presence. Bring back Dougie. Figure out your bo- your rear backup goalie. Uh, etc. Felt the depth. Twitter questions. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Twitter questions. We're already an hour and a half into this, so we're gonna be here a little bit longer. Number one from Deb on Twitter, and we actually this is gonna be quick because we got an answer today. Deb on Twitter, where did Jake Gardner disappear to, and will he be back? So he he had he's having MRIs. Um, or he's been having them since the season ended. And it's what we suspected a couple weeks ago and that it is back injuries have been derailing him quite a bit. And <laughs> we'll see. I mean, he has two more years on his deal after this year. And we'll see. I, I, I'm not generally when we, when we get into this territory, with a back issue that's lasted two years, you're not thinking that this is going to end very well for his likelihood to return. The way Don Waddell was saying too, he's saying meeting with doctors and kind of figuring out where they're going to go from here. It definitely sounds like this is potentially like, I don't want to throw rumors out, but like more serious than just kind of missing time. Like will he even play next year type if it's serious enough? Yeah. I want to shout out to uh, the Canes Country podcast owns uh, Ryan Henkel for asking Dom Waddell about Jake Gardner this morning and getting us this information. It's just been like it, we talked about that. We talked about this like a week or two ago. Like, like it just, oh, yeah. just no, disappeared. It was, they just yeah. no information about him. And like it was, was a like, legit. No, it was it was a good question. It was like it was an it, it was something I very much wanted to know. And it, you wonder if. This is a situation where the Hurricanes maybe look at parting with an asset to make that contract go away. Like, I don't know what the options are in terms of, like, LTIR and and, and all that. Um, yeah. And then I, you could play in the playoffs. It's just yeah, one where you're, you're like, you play Seattle. In the like, eh. I kind of think of, like, um, Vegas taking on, like, David Clarkson or something. You're like, you take Jake Bean in a first they pick up Jake Gardner and then like you trade them the first and Jake Bean and you, they pick Jake Gardner or something. And then you 
can definitely pay Dougie if that four million is off your books. Yeah, that's, that's a thing, big. Like, that's a huge. That's a great point. Honestly, looking at the defense, like that, there's so much. They have so much money in their defense with Gardner, Gardner, Shea, Pesci, Slavin, and Hamilton, all four to five to six million. And it's but it's going to be more if you don't find a way to get rid of Gardner and you pay Dougie. Yep. Yeah, I think if they can find a way to not have to have his cap on the books, I, I think that's huge. Um, and it's kind of necessary, if we're being honest, because $4 million goes a long way. Yeah. And it's like, it sucks, because like, Jake Gardner played so well the first half of the season, and now it seems like injuries are pretty much going to halt his career progression. Yeah. Like, It sucks, but it's now it's the nature of the business of... You can't you can't be paying for him to not be able to play. A real shame. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, we'll see. We'll see how all that works out. Samuel Woolard on Twitter, most likely to not be back next year. Cedric Pocket. <laughs> Damn it! You beat me to it. Uh, Drew Shore. <laughs> I think that's Ryan. technically true. Yeah. In all seriousness, I if I were to predict the ones not coming back from the main main roster, I would say Paquette, Marnook, Bean. I would like, and I'm I'm on the fence about Fogel. I'm like, I would only keep one yeah. of the three, but I don't know if they see that the same way. They like their group. We hear it all the time. Rod loves those guys, so yeah, it's like it's really hard for him just to like part with them. Like, I don't know if they like he said today. He he believes he's in a unique position compared to other coaches in roster construction, and he and that's probably true. The way Tom Dundon likes he, to do things and get he loves him people. some Fogel, some McGinn, some Martinuk. I don't think it would be the right decision to bring all of them back. I I also don't think they are going to bring all of them back, but who knows, man? I mean, we'll see. I think Martinuk's gone. I think Paquette's gone. McCormick might come back. I think Hockenpah might be gone. That one's weird because like you gave up Flurry. Yeah, but because like the, the the front office felt like they had something there, but like you look at it, and you're just like, eh. that was a swing and a miss. I mean, which like yeah. it happens. Like That's trading away Hayden Flurry being your swing and a miss isn't the end I mean, of the world. Yeah, I mean it's the reason they lost in the playoffs because you know Hayden <laughs> Flurry was playing. But there you go. Stop. <laughs> we don't even know who the He's going to run the defense next year. I mean, Dean Schnauth might be gone. We don't know. It might um, be Jake Gardner. It, it might be Jake Gardner running the defense next year. <laughs> oh it would be God. a real rogue, real rogue defense. Then. That would be a rogue one. Um, that's for sure. Um, it, it might be Jake Gardner running I don't the defense. Want to make, I do not want to make light of what I'm sure, like, serious No, of course, of course, Gardner, of course. It might be more likely that he's running the defense than that he's playing for the Hurricanes. The highest paid assistant coach in the league. Hey, Rod wanted his staff taken care of. <laughs> this is a real end-around way to do it, but, I mean, that is the way to do it. Uh, it's conventional. KG on Twitter. Say Dougie does does leave this offseason. What do the pairings even look like? What do the power plays look like? Would these two changes be too big of shoes to fill for another player? I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but... Worse, worse, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. That's really good. I mean, like, like yeah, you have to go get a UFA or trade for a right-handed defenseman to play with Slavin. You hope Slavin fix patches it up. You keep Shea and Pesci. Being a Hawkpaw might not even be there. Hell, you bring up Selgren, Keen, who knows? <laughs> Just slot in two more guys. And then the power play flounders, and then it's bad. Sign, again, <laughs> sign Dougie. <laughs> sign Dougie, please. It's it's funny how like our tone has maybe shifted a little bit because I think a few weeks ago like we were more like I don't know let's think about this and now we've kind of done our thinking. We're more cautious. We're like you can't pay him too much. You just can't. And we're like please pay him. <laughs> the alternative look. The, the, yeah, the alternative is worse than paying you look, too much. When you we look have at the alternatives. This. When you look at the alternatives, I mean, woof. <laughs> the options are not very good. So yeah. If I have to watch 82 fucking games of Tyson Berry <laughs> next year, I'm not I, it, it, You're stepping down. Do you're you're going to step not, down. Not, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, uh, pairings are worse. The power play is worse, and they are going to have a very difficult time to try to replace what he brings. From Eric on Twitter, how likely do you think it is that we'll see players like Box, Suzuki, Jarvis, who had a great AHL season? Jarvis did have a very good start to the AHL season this past year. He looked great. Um, how likely is it that they will be brought back into the lineup or back brought into the lineup next season? Also, who would you pair with them? Uh, Ryan, uh, it seems you have an opinion. He's holding up a hand in the is, is uh, form of a 100%. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even <laughs> know that you can contort your hands like that. Any of them next season. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Suzuki and Jarvis shouldn't have even been in the AHL. Like, this was special circumstances because of the Canadian Hockey League not operating. Like, they played fine. They played good. Yes. Jarvis played very, very well. Jarvis played exceptionally well. Jarvis like led the league in points before he got sent away. <laughs> yeah, but like, Jarvis owned the AHL. Yes. The Canes are not gonna toss him in. Andres, if Andre Svechikov was gonna play fourth line minutes for his whole first year, there's not a chance in hell any of these guys crack the roster unless like unless training camp and preseason, these guys are putting up twenty goals in, in like the few preseason games they get. It's just not happening. They're going to compete win now window. And I know we all would love to see these young guys just jump right in and make a difference. Be that wow factor. It's just not, it's just not Brendan Moore. It's just not Brendan Moore style. That's not happening. I it's agree. Not happening. Cause like, even if they do play like, like if the rare less than 1% chance, they do manage to find their way to the roster. They're playing on the fourth line. They're not, they're not playing. They're playing sheltered minutes, and, and they're not. at that point, they shouldn't be there. Yes. That's not good for their development. Yeah, I would put for Dominic Bach. I think that's probably two percent. Uh, if we're going to talk specifically about prospects, Bach's first season uh, in North America this past season, uh, he looked like he had uh, quality signs of of that skill that he has. I still think. From what I understand, there's a long way for him to go in terms of kind of adapting to the North American team game and kind of learning how to, you know, play away from the puck and, and be a quality player like that. We'll see. I, I don't think he plays. I think I think he needs more time. Suzuki, 
he, I think he also needs more time. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a second because there's another question. But Seth Jarvis, he's the only one who I would even think for half a second about because he was so good. I still don't think he plays next year. I, I think he gets another year. Um, but he looked really good in, in his AHL games. I was watching Chicago every every time I uh, every time they played because I was like, I want to see Seth Jarvis play. And every time I watch, you know, he just kept scoring goals. Uh, he looked really good. Uh, so I think he might be closer than maybe a lot of people thought, but I wouldn't bet on him being uh, in the lineup this this upcoming year. I don't even think there would be space. Like even if you want to play him, I don't really think you you could get a good spot for any of them. Larry Davis on Twitter. After watching Nick Suzuki play a huge role with Montreal, how close is Ryan to making an impact for the Canes? Are they similar talent-wise? At least a year, I think. I'd say two to three years for Ryan Suzuki. I don't think Ryan Suzuki is particularly close. I think (laughs) Jarvis might be closer than Suzuki, honestly. Probably, especially if you want Suzuki to play center. Um, which it, obviously, like you should, because that's what he is. Um, and I think at this point, like with where Nick Suzuki is, like, like I think there's a pretty big gap, and it's going to be tough to see exactly where that gap is until like Ryan actually, make, if and when Ryan actually makes it to the NHL, and we see what he. It's is. worth also considering that you know a couple of years ago he had the really bad eye injury, um, that kind of put a a little bit of a break on his development. So it's, it's not like he's being fast tracked right now. I think they're going to be very patient with him. Uh, and like Nick Suzuki too, his, with his development, he was always a two way player. Like his defensive game is really strong. Like, and I don't think Ryan necessarily has the same kind of pedigree with the defensive responsibility that Nick kind of has right now. I also think that just in general, Nick Suzuki was a more highly regarded prospect than Ryan Suzuki. Um, yeah. It's not to say that Ryan won't be a guy. He could be. Um, you know, he's he's got the skill set that, that would play as like a top nine center uh, with his playmaking ability. But, you know, Nick has proven that he can score a lot of goals too and he can play a two-way game and, and all that stuff. So I think he's still a little bit away. Tarot on Twitter. Who is Seattle taking from the Canes and why is it Jake Gardner? This was before the Jake Gardner news. It was still not going to be Jake Gardner before the Jake Gardner <laughs> Yes, but, um, it also wouldn't have been Gardner. Unless, unless the Canes are paying. Yeah, if they're paying, then sure. But, I mean, like, if I if it's just a straight-up, like, they don't make any kind of deal with Ron Francis, they just say, all right, here's our list, here's, your, here's who's exposed, take your pick, it's probably Jake Bean. I think Jake Bean, I think Warren Fogle might be a sneaky guy as well. I think that yeah, he, that's another awesome. guy that Francis drafted. I think he could be. I think between the two. Yeah, it probably won't be Shea. Uh, it won't be Gardner. It. I think it's going to be one of Bean or Fogel, and it's just if they want a defenseman or a forward. Jesper um, Foss would be the dark horse pick, but like eh. Fogel, like you could you could play Fogel having you know the still the upside potentially there for like the top six role. Yeah. Well, Jesper Foss is that that glue guy that can you know play well. And I feel like they look at the forwards too. The Canes might protect Jesper Foss. Maybe, maybe. It's I'll also Ron another... Francis, so he'll take a prospect. He's probably <laughs> a defenseman at that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I'd say. Joey Keith. 
definitely want a Bean or Fast, I would think, or Bean or Fogel. Um, <laughs> and we'll see. Last question, Matthew Sama, newest addition to the Canes country staff, covering prospects and and all that, and he's very good at it. Um, at Canes Netfront on Twitter and at Canes Prospects on Twitter. You're able to put one member of the Bad Batch onto the Hurricanes roster. Who is it, and why is it Crosshair? Well, so I think Crosshair is a good fit because um, good soldiers follow orders seems like a phrase that Rod Brindamore would like without knowing what it actually means. Yeah, yeah. I think Crosshair is... He'd be... And you know, they're... He'd be, need a sniper. he'd be the he he could score goals. Uh, he'd be a favorite among the coaching staff for obvious reasons. How good do you think he is applying four check and pressure? Uh, if it's instructed think, by the co- coaching staff, then I believe he will do it. Yeah, say, that's just, that's rule one for the Canes. If if you hear the just if you hear the phrase "good soldiers follow orders" from really close behind you, you might want to run. Yeah. Might be some locker room issues depending on, you know, the state of the other uh, players on the team. Uh, if you're if you're getting crosshair, I think it'd be best in your best interest to go ahead and put inhibitor chips in all of your players. Um, yeah. I think that would be... I feel like Rod would be down with that too. <laughs> you, so there you have You it. put this chip in them and they do whatever you say. Sounds good. Let's do it. There you go. Calling Rod the Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. You, you know that. Yeah, maybe not a perfect. <laughs> uh, he is the Hurricanes, just like Palpatine is the Senate. Oh yeah. I am the Hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, like if you think about That's it. That's what he said in his contract negotiations. Uh, yeah, that that was. <laughs> Another exclusive Kane's Country report. Oh man. Okay. That's uh, uh, enough. Enough of this. We've passed the hour fifty-two mark. Let's just uh, enough. Kane's uh, Country podcast. Thank you for listening this week. We talked about hockey for entirely too long, and you know what? Um, oh well. We we had a lot to go over and. Uh, if you made it two hours into this podcast, I, I, that out to you. I hope your, then I hope your road trip is going well because that's probably what you were doing. It's the only excuse. Kane's Country Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, where can the people follow you on Twitter and only Twitter, Andrew? At a s c h n i t t five three. And Ryan. At r y a n h e n k e l underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger. You can follow Kane's Country at Kane's Country. Uh, you can follow Kane's Country on Instagram, Kane's Country Picks, P-I-X. Please read the site. We have so much content going out about off-season previews and literally everything that's going on. Um, lots of stuff. So definitely check it out. Um, if you aren't already, subscribe, follow the podcast on any podcast app that you listen to podcasts. Uh, leave a review, a rating. Those things help us out tremendously. believe we will reconvene in two weeks where we'll have a lot more stuff to, to go over. I'm sure I would be shocked if we go two weeks and things are quiet on all Kane's fronts. There's a lot of stuff that's going on and uh, we will talk about it at the end of the month. So yes, we'll if, talk. 
if something big happens next week, then we will reconvene yes, early. But yes. if not, then in two weeks. Enjoy the the rest of the final four uh, series that are going on. Uh, craziness. Talk to you in two weeks. Goodbye.